Hey guys, back on the couch today for LibFit Podcast. Got Dan Macri here um, to talk about all things Strongman and different things in the fitness industry. Yeah, absolute pleasure to be here. I mean, uh, always fun to come out and, uh, you know, talk shit with yourself, man. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Cool, man. All right, what's a bit about yourself and a bit about your um, your past and, like, um, you know, Strongman? Let's get into that. All right. Uh, brief, quick overview started. Uh, did my first powerlifting competition um, on my 15th birthday. Wow. Um, that sort of came about as a result of... Um, so, I was playing rugby uh, when I was younger um, started going to the gym to get stronger for rugby and, um, you know, interested, getting interested in lifting weights and stuff like that. And back in uh, the early days of Foxtel where ESPN really didn't have a great deal of content other than, you know, we had, you know, your big three American sports and they had all your other filler stuff in between and in between darts and poker championships, they used to show a lot of the, uh, the old world's strongest man reruns. Yeah. So there was one time that was on and dad called us down at like two o'clock in the morning from playing video games or whatever I was doing upstairs. Tinder 64. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Goldfinger. <laughs> no, Legend of Zelda. No, there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so dad called us down uh, to, you know, to, to, to come watch uh, the strongman comp that was on. As soon as I saw that, I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, I want to flip a card. That seems cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of that, sort of without me really knowing still playing rugby and everything else the whole way along but uh, that sort of became my focus and that led to the first powerlifting comp that I did powerlifting I guess was kind of like um, it was a means to an end at that point in time I mean powerlifting is great I, I, I love it but the goal always was to end up in uh, in, in strongman yeah. um, so yeah you know did, did powerlifting for uh, about three years there was uh, fortunate enough to go to Worlds a couple of times as a teenager and wow. then uh, hit a point where I had a like a a small back injury that took us out of it for a while, and I've been hit, going real hard down the powerlifting route. It was like, well, look, what I really want to do is is strong, man. And the, the the thing had always been, you know, it was doing powerlifting because there wasn't really availability of strong man at that point in time. Yeah. It was like, well, if I want to do strong man, the only place that any comps were happening at this point in time, no, no comps had had, had ever had. Oh, I think there'd been one comp ever in WA at that point and that was like 1990 and right now we're talking like mid to late 2000 somewhere well, 2006, okay. 2007 yep. so no strongman comment happened in WA at, at, at you know until this point in time um, I was like well look if, if I want to do it I better start training for it and um, you know and you know, I have to head over east and uh, and compete. Was it Melbourne or Sydney that uh, had the, the it was strongman comps? Mainly Melbourne. It was yep. um, Bill Linden was running the comps back then, and Australia's strongest man every year was. Oh, everyone's gonna hate me for forgetting where it was. Every <laughs> single year he ran at the same little town. Oh, come across in a minute. Doesn't matter. But every single year it was the same town that we all went to. And uh, how many all, competitors did you get back then? Eight to ten for just the heavyweight comps. It was yep. it was a smaller field, but it was it was a bit more of a invite only kind of competition. Um, yes, yeah, so that was kind of the, the first big one that I did. Uh, what sort of happened in the process of getting there though is Matt Van Bunigan, who's been very big in uh, in the powerlifting scene in WA for quite a few years, really great bench presser. Um, actually, got involved in strongman temporarily. As uh, as well, he actually ran the first few comps that happened in WA for a while down in Collie. So, yep. won my first uh, WA Strongest Man at a comp that was down that happened down in Collie with 
pretty much no experience whatsoever. I think I sort of mimicked some stuff as best as I could yeah. with that, with stuff in the gym, but probably more waste of time training should just focus on some, some actual compound lifts. <laughs> but anyway, still managed to, uh, to squeak that one out. Um, yeah, then uh, next year went on to him needing to run the comps again, but wanted to grow the sport at that time. I was like, hey, we can't keep doing stuff in, in Collie. Let's yes, actually do it in Perth. Because, way. <laughs> you know, the comps in Collie, like, it was, look, I've got family down in Collie, so yep. for me it wasn't too bad. It was, you know, mum and dad and everyone would come down, we'll visit the family and, you know, it was like a, you know, a fun little getaway, but like most people like, oh, we'll fucking go to Collie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. three hour drive to do a comp, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, running it in Perth sort of made a bit more, uh, a bit more sense. So I, he sort of, was like, hey, you're in Perth, I'm not. Can you help us set this comp up? A um, couple of friends of mine, so... Um, was that the birth of WA Strongman there? Pretty much. Yeah. So oh. this, this is the birth of pretty much right here. So um, I was going through uh, uni doing my exercise in sports science and I was doing my um, my my prac at this point in time. Um, and I was uh, doing like a few people do. You're able, able to elect where you want to do your prac. So yep. a, a couple of good friends of mine, um, Dan and Tracy Cooper, um, had one of the you know the OG CrossFit gyms in uh, in WA SF gym, which used to be just uh, in Osmond Park. Actually, okay. I'm not yep. sure they've re- relocated to now. Um, and sort of spoke to them and said, "Hey, do you mind if I do my um, strongman WA strongman call?" Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So as part of the workplace, we have to kind of organise like an event or like a group training session. Yep. So we kind of did me running my strongman comp there yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as, as the, uh, as, as, as the event that I had to organize yeah. for, uh, as, as part of my prac. And that was the first strongman comp that, that I ever ran. Um, and one of the many that I both ran and competed in, which was tough, <laughs> tough, stressful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, trying to organize everyone and everything and then oh, compete. Right. So I'll just run you through the first event. Go on, the yep. first event was 365 kilo yoke. Right. Um, this is it was, it was, strongman was, it wasn't quite where it is right now. We basically had heavyweights and we had under one hundred fives. So the total competitor pool for this first comp was we had three heavyweights and because we were offering under one hundred fives, I think we had four under five one under one hundred fives, but one of them pulled out after the first event. So yeah. really, we had four. Yeah. Um, so seven people all up. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. Humble, humble beginnings. Yeah. Anyway. In the middle of organizing things, setting up chairs, everything else, um, you know, still having to keep to a time schedule because you don't want to be, you know, staying at someone's gym, you know, an extra couple of hours past when you're meant to be there. Yeah, yeah. Limited time to set up because they still had to finish their classes and then they were great. They actually got everyone in the class to help clear out all the, you know, all, yeah. all the, all the, all the, the platforms and stuff. They had to, we at least had some flat ground to, to move across and everything. Yeah. Um, so in between doing that, getting everything else set up. You know, first event was ready to start. Under 105s had all gone through. Heavyweights are up. Heavyweight warm-up time was up. Haven't done a single warm-up yet. And called up to go and do my runs. I'm like, well, guess I'm doing it cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 365 <laughs> cold. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but look, Far out. manage. That was pretty much the birth of, uh, of WA Strongman. Then from yeah. there... Um, a lot of the familiar faces that people would, would see sort of slowly managed to, to get involved, sort of. It was pretty much uh, myself and my family that ran everything off our own backs um, for, for a couple of years, I, I guess. I mean, I can't remember exact time rise without sitting down and playing it all out. Um, at one point, um, met Pearl, who, uh, 
who helps out with a lot of the admin and organisation of all yep. the events, and she was really heavily involved, and still She's, is, yeah, still really still involved, is really though. heavily yeah. involved, yeah. Um, particularly the admin sort of side, um, and a lot of organisation in terms of finding and contacting venues. Um, so she's, you know, she sort of came on board there and kind of helped us grow to another level there. And by being more organised, more proactive, being able to get information out of about events, that bit earlier helped lead to a greater growth in the sport. And then. Yeah. More and more people sort of got involved. Jack te- has also taken up a much more active role in terms of helping running and promoting comps as well. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we had a few more people as well who were sort of in the process of wanting to get on board this year, but uh, well. Yeah, been a bit of a pause on everything, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, 2020 hasn't been a great yeah, 2020 year. 2020 <laughs> has been a slow start, more like it. A little but, bit. Um, but what am I bring back to that? Like, you know, you're talking about the very humble beginnings of WA Strongman. Yes. And then last year you had your, the biggest turnout, well, I believe the biggest turnout to a qualifiers um, in the history of WA Strongman. Was that correct? A hundred percent. Yeah, we had the first comp last year was what, I think 45 competitors. Yeah, max capacity. stupid like that. Yeah, it actually ran really well too. Eh? I think that ran as well as it could for the amount of competitors yep. we had. Um, I mean, look, truth be told, we were about an hour and a half overtime compared to what we had been budgeted yeah but we managed um and while i'm really happy that we ran a comp that size in all honesty i don't want to run one that size again um not just that to me that was really the uh, let me see if i can find a, a good way to explain it was to me it was the marker that the sport's ready to kind of evolve a bit further so rolling things back for anyone who's not as familiar as, as yourself with the, with the process of yep. how stuff runs essentially the way stuff runs with Strongman is Pinnacle is sort of you know your national event so at the moment that's the Australian Arnold right yep. that's the, the Pinnacle as, as an amateur that's your chance to qualify for international comps out of Australia that's your direct pathway onto you know bigger and better things where you can compete like 100 comps a year internationally sort of thing exactly yeah. Now, in order to get to that competition, you've got to win your state championships. Roll back a few years, and the state championships was actually the only event that pretty much happened initially. Yeah. And it was basically like, yep, just run the state championships. Whoever wins, they go over. Second and third, you get a participation trophy and a pat on the back and come back next year. Get to a point where it starts growing. You've got more and more people who want to do it. And a lot of people are going, hey, I want to give this a shot, but I'm not at that level. You start going, all right, well, let's offer them that service. So now you do, now we basically started by doing qualification comps, you know, to do the state championships. People then start going, hey, you know, we're now getting more and more people showing up, more people going, hey, that looks fun. I really want to do that, but I'm not at that level because you still have to run the qualifiers, sort of drop back 10%. So you look at what the world standard is, you drop back about 10% for national standard. You look at national standard, you drop back somewhere between five and 10 for state level. I personally tend to keep state level pretty close to national level because yeah. I kind of think... If you're a chance. That's it. My, 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 my thought's always been, I want to send over a WA team that's going to be competitive, not one that's just going to show up. Yeah. And I don't think we've had a single WA athlete that we've ever sent over that's just been there making up numbers. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know, People have struggled more and less in different events, but the events that they have been they have performed in, you've been like, yep, they they're deserving of their spot there. And it's not always necessarily points on the board, but it's they gave it look, the you all. can you can come dead last and still go, you deserve to be here. And you or you, know, you see comps where someone comes third just because of the lack of depth of the field, you go, well, you you, sh- you know you shouldn't have been there in the first place. It should have been a two horse race. 
it, it's one of those things right like to come last at the Arnold's amateur in heavyweights like that is strong that is still stronger than you know 99% 100%. of the population of the gym I think part of that is, is building the standard of what it actually means to get there yeah um, I mean look I, I don't love Max don't get me wrong I'm not talking shit about yeah, him yeah. But his appearance at the Arnold's and I hope he doesn't feel like I'm talking shit he didn't have the result that I know he wanted when he competed a couple of years back, yeah. but he 100% deserved to be there. He was the best athlete at heavyweight in WA at that point in time. He was deserving to be there, and his performances, while I know not what he wanted, no one looked at him and went, you didn't deserve to be at this comp. You know, yeah. I think the, the deadlift was definitely a weakness for him that year, but overall he was capable of doing everything else in the comp. The dumbbell, I think, was just... Dumbbell's something you really have to practice with, and he did really well to do as well as he did in that event yeah. without actually having a dumbbell available regularly. Um, but he was still deserving of being there in that competition. You roll, you go sort of a couple, of, you know, a couple of years before that, right? There's, you know, a deadlift event where it was a deadlift medley, right? And the first weight in the deadlift medley was like 260 kilos. Okay, yeah, that's so, a heavyweight weight. Yes. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, which, okay, it's not a bad deadlift, yep. but no one's sitting there going, 260 kilos, oh, you know, yeah. that's, the, you know, you're an For elite. For a national amateur, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you know, you're elite level national. Yeah. And half the field doesn't pull 260. And oh, you're like, wow, and you're okay, like, yeah. How many of these guys really should have been here in the first place? Yep. You know, the yoke's 400 and this guy's getting, you know, one or two meters with it, you know, like... That, you know, there's a big difference there. Let's say the person who came eighth there probably didn't deserve to, probably deserved to be there a hell of a lot less than the person who came last the year that Max competed. Just because it was two years on and the whole level of the sport but that's, had that's increased. The, that's the crazy thing about this sport is um, it grows so fast. Yeah. Like, I think uh, the weight we had just two years ago when I competed in States, which yep. was a 135 kilo yoke press yes that was the same weight they had in worlds i think 10 years ago was that is that right uh or a similar weight or event <laughs> actually <laughs> close um probably um, feel free to correct me if i'm wrong i'm very certain there's some footage of marius doing safe press or yoke press effectively the same thing and the weight that they had was 275 pounds 125 kilos yep. so we had 135. 135. So <laughs> 10 kilos above what was the world standard weight wow, 10 years ago. Wow, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, like, and that's, that's growth in the sport. That is, um, that is some serious, well, yeah. From, from a, you know, a world standard down to growing from a state standard, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, this, the sport evolves at, at, at such, a, such a rapid pace, you know? Um, let's put it this way. Um, Things like, say, a 400-kilo deadlift, we're talking international scene. That was the world record 10 years ago, Jeez, right? Yeah. Now, at this point in time, if you can't deadlift at least 400 kilos... Don't have even a shot to get on... They won't invite yeah. you to World's Strongest Man, you know? That you, you, they don't even... They pretty much... You, you won't... You, you know, unless you're absolute standout every other event, you know, or you somehow manage to win a, you know, a qualifying comp, they have to give you an invite. You won't, you won't get an invite to World's Strongest Man unless they know you can deadlift 400 kilos, because that's... That's the standard there. Yeah. You know, like it's the sport has grown at, you know, it's incredible. A, a ridiculous yeah. pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, cool, man. That's great. All right. So, um, yeah, like I suppose we spoke a bit about everything in between your own story there. Yep. Um, for the listeners who actually don't know what strongman is, what is strongman? All right. Uh, I was actually thinking about this question on the way over. There's, 
two ways that there's a couple of ways that I really like to to describe it, and this ties in a bit with uh, one of the other questions I think you had for us in terms of how strongman varies from from other strength sports. Yeah, yeah, how's it? Yeah, so, how's it vary from other? First of all, sports? the biggest way that I think strongman varies from other strength sports, it's it's a bit more, I guess, like has a bit more entertainment factor to it, right? Because we have the ability to sort of dress things up a little bit. It makes it for the public more appealing. Now, think about the, the squat that you guys did, right? With, with all the tires on the side, you know? People were impressed by that because that looks big. You know, you've got a couple of big tires either side of the bar and like, wow, those things are big and they're lifting them. If we hadn't made that squat 20 kilos heavier and done it with, you know, calibrated plates on a bar... Doesn't look like much. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, easy example. You look at, you know, Thor Bjornsson deadlifting 501 kilos and there's no way you can, you know... Just fathom that if you haven't done that yeah. sort of... You know, deadlift. but you, you think um, 501 kilos, that's a huge weight, but then you see it on a bar as plates and it's tiny because they're all nights, you know... Neat calibrated plates. That's the most. That is the most amazing deadlift that's ever happened. You know, you can't. Can't argue that. Yeah. Can't argue that. Five hundred one kilos. Best weight that's ever been picked up. And in the home gym, which is you know how much harder it is to train at home and max out at home compared to a a platform and a. You know, full credit to the guy for full credit to the guy for keeping up his intensity in his training. Yeah. With everything else going on in the world as well, because how many other people have kind of fallen off the bandwagon yeah just like, make excuses you know? why they can't do something because yeah. because of COVID pretty much <laughs> yeah you know? it's like that's just and ridiculous he goes out and sets a world record yeah but you look at 501 on a bar and it doesn't look super impressive and then you get like a 300 then you look at world's strongest man and say like when they had like a you know there was like a 360 deadlift for reps that they had with those giant like ball like rogue plates yeah those big rogue plates either side and stuff like that and, well they had you know, the tyre one as well tyres or even for, for squats they've used those big like they look like the old Water old, tanks or something? No, no, the old, like, um, um, the old circus-style dumbbells that they used to oh, have yes, the big yeah, balls yeah. on either end. Yeah. They mounted some giant versions of those to squat. And they just look big and impressive. So that's what I think really sets Strongman apart, is you're able to make it a bit more of a, a showman sport. And with the way that you, you look at the way a competition's presented, you know, the, the general format of, you know, introduce the athletes you know set up events either head to head or like it's a race or a competition that, so, that's so cool that's such a, that's a I love that about Strongman and that's my favourite thing we've actually been able to do recently you know thanks to you know some sponsors we have like you know Chasing Better and stuff like that you know, and the equipment and, having two and the numbers too yeah, yeah. Two, the, uh, numbers and equipment that's yeah. twofold evolution of the sport there you know how much cooler does it feel for yourself as an athlete oh. going I'm you're looking into the eyes of your opponent and you just yeah. switch on that little bit more um, it's, uh, it's a great feeling the yeah. Well, the comp you did last year um, at uh, at a, what's it called? Uh, down down south in yeah. the oh. farm area. I'm trying to think of it. Um, uh, off Safety Bay Road, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Yep. Can't think of the name of the gym. Unfortunately, they've actually um, closed down now. It was a CrossFit gym, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember either. I'm terrible. I remember, <laughs> I remember the little pony there. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the pony coming running around. Yeah. We had, uh, we had you and, uh, and, and, and Big Sammy facing off against yeah. each other on the squat, but had you guys... Like I really like it. Having you guys face to face in the squat and just 
visually that was such a cool thing to look at because yeah. there's you know yourself and Sammy who are both you know two big I, imposing sort of looking figures I didn't look big in front of him <laughs> <laughs> this guy was 7 foot and 180 something oh. kilos and I'm 6 foot 3 and 120 kilos so. wasn't there a photo <laughs> taken afterwards that I know it was Sammy you and then who was the third person in the photo oh, I can't remember that. I got one at the beginning of just me and Sammy and there was, there was um, one with three of you that I was looking at just yeah. like you look like a babushka, babushka doll. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just look, I look so little, eh? Like you, you open up Sammy and then you put yourself inside yeah. him. You open up you, put the next yeah. guy in. Yeah. But yeah, it's just having to be able to set things up like that, create that, you know, that head-to-head sort of competition makes it feel like it's, you know, you get a bit of extra element of showmanship. How I'll describe Strongman, I guess, rolling it back, there's, there's two kind of, I'll give the two fun explanations before I um, before I kind of break it down a bit more yeah. accurately what it is. Um, one, I like to describe like it being the UFC of strength sports, right? So in the UFC, you get, you know, there's elements of boxing, there's elements of jiu-jitsu, there's elements of grappling, there's elements of kickboxing, elements of every martial art, and it's whoever's the best at, you know, either A, using their specialities, and B, you know bringing up the rest of the skills to high enough level and being an overall master of every style is the overall best. You've got to be good at everything. You can't, you know, just be a good power lifter and expect to win a strongman comp. You've got to involve elements of, you know, power, strength, speed. endurance, speed, yep. you know, athleticism. You've got to be strong in every way Strength and endurance, to that's, win. that's such a big one too. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think massively. that's one that a lot of people miss out on. Um, I think it's one that's a lot easier to train that a lot of people miss out on as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second way I like to describe it is we're basically just doing CrossFit. We've just changed all the percentages. So <laughs> you, you look at what both sports are, you know, if you, and essentially it's varied exercises, there's movement and there's a time constraint and there's a level of weight that you're using. So CrossFit's going, all right, well, we're going to push out how much time we're doing. We're dropping the total weight you know, and it's a bit more the endurance sort of aspect. And Strongman goes, well, you know, you've got 45 minutes. Well, that sounds real long. How about 45 seconds? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. And, and to uh, compensate uh, for that, we're just going to, you know, times the load by 10. Yep. You know? <laughs> so it's same sort of idea there, but you're just kind of, you're, you're working at opposite ends of the spectrum. And the reason why I really feel that holds pretty well true is you look at some athletes that we've had compete that have come from good CrossFit backgrounds and then... I'll throw NAR out there as a, as a real easy one, you know, being a, a team a team games athlete and now he's a world champion, you know, in, in, in strongman. So he's, he's come from one end of the spectrum gone completely to the other and I think it's pretty transferable and even, um, as he, he said himself, a lot of the things that have helped him out a lot in, strong, in, in CrossFit have really transferred well over to strongman. Although what he wouldn't really train, you know, can't train like a CrossFitter to be great at strongman. There's elements of CrossFit training that he's still, you know, employees as part of his training and a lot of that base has really helped you when that it's strength and endurance is um, exactly. one probably um you know just from an outside perspective without getting the direct words from him but um you know one would be the strength and endurance yes and two would be the technique that he's honed in on for the years of um you know olympic weightlifting and different things 100%. like that i think that's been i mean look he's got a fantastic coach yes yeah. maybe yeah <laughs> he's got a fantastic yeah. coach no, he does have a great coach yeah. <laughs> probably one of like in my opinion like Max is probably one of the most underrated strength coaches um, in Australia like with his with his knowledge I I think Max is underrated because 
strongman coaching, I think it's, it's still such a new thing. Yeah. I think give him a few years and like, he'll be someone who's going to be up there in terms of, you know, what people think of him as a coach is, you know, a lot of the real, you know, big name guys in, in, in Australia at the moment. I think it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's strongman just isn't, isn't, isn't there yet in terms of the formality of it all. Like the concept of like, hiring a coach for powerlifting or weightlifting or CrossFit, everyone does, you know? Like, it's it's just, it's just oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do a powerlifting. All right, better go get a coach. You know, where it's like, oh, I'm going to do a strongman. Oh, well, better go get some tires. You know, like, it's, it's just not that, then there's not that immediate association that I need a coach. But I, I, look, I even think give it two, three years, and I think the dynamic's shifting, you know? Do you think that's because, uh, and again, this goes into another question about the future of the sport, but... um. Do you see, like, say we've got three qualifiers at the moment here yep. at WA, um, and we've got one state, and then I think um, there's a couple of people that might do a few little novice comps around. Yeah, um, actually, quickly on that, that was actually our plan for this year. Yeah. Like I said, about not wanting to have 45 people at a comp. The plan was to, squit, was to uh, split qualifiers and novice comps to separate competitions. Yeah. So my original plan for this year, and we're going to try and keep as close to this as we can, not total numbers, but as close to this as we can, was to have three qualifier comps, three novice comps, the state wow. titles, and I wanted to do a record breakers event. Oh, wow. So the record breakers is an event that I've wanted to run for, for years. Um, and that's going to be put on, I guess, more as a, a show than an actual event. Yeah, so course, we'll yeah. do, say, depending on, uh, 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 you know, it'll be one promoter's discretion in terms of, who actually does it but would have a max of say six or seven athletes somewhere around there run somewhere between four and five events but not everyone will be doing every event it'll be like alright so Naramu you've been working really hard on the dumbbell you want to do the dumbbell cool we're going to give you time at the start to do the dumbbell is there anyone else who wants to try for any other record on the dumbbell okay cool Max you want to go for the, for the you know the, the WA heavyweight record on the dumbbell as well both you guys will do the dumbbell no one else is, you know, no one else wants to do the dumbbell alright fine Cash, you've been working really hard on the deadlift. You want to go for the deadlift for reps? Cool. Oh. You come and do the deadlift for reps. You know? um, however, it works out. You kind of pick the athletes that fit the comp, and it becomes like a like more like a show than what it actually is a an actual competition. Now, touch you on that. Like, I suppose strongman in a way did originate from circus um, yes. display, right? Yeah. Which is where uh, you know you would have a strong uh, a strongman lifting a heavy weight above his head, or um, you know ripping like what was the old thing like ripping phone books in phone half. Phone books or, was, was like, an old one. Rolling yep. frying pans, um, bending coins. Yep, I think wow. it's a lot more possible, and the coins contain a lot less. You know, like uh, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. all hard metals, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that like you're on stage and thousand people. The fry pan's pretty cool. Yeah, the Thomas Inch dumbbell lift was uh, was was a big one there as well, and yeah. a lot of it was um, it was sort of the livelihood of it as well, like entertainment. So you pay like you know your dollar or whatever to come watch their show, and then um, Thomas Inch's thing was he would have his. His, his dumbbell, which was a, a big, thick-handled dumbbell. It was 176 pounds. And he would, you know, pick it up. And world-class grip, so he would pick it up effortlessly. And then he'd be like... People would come try? Is that what he well, did? Well, people would have to pay to come and try. Yep, yep. Right? So it was like, all right, you pay $5 to try, but if you pick it up, you get 50 Oh, wow. So yeah. they're like, oh, that doesn't look too hard to pick up. Here's my five bucks, and it doesn't budge off the ground. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it was little things like that they sort of did, you know, to, it was, yeah, like, like tra- traveling performance, you know, like uh, you look at older movies and you look at, you know, people who, uh, you know, 
the traveling circus, like the sort of part of that, I guess. Yeah. Um, it is quite a novelty type sport, isn't yeah. it? Like that, that showmanship um, that you, uh, that you get that really attracts the crowds, probably more so than. Um, uh, I haven't been to that many powerlifting comps, but you know, in powerlifting comps, it's usually just friends or family. Where uh, strongman, you get a lot of a lot of people outside of that. Yeah. You just want to see like, like well, like, wow, what is like? This is amazing. I I think um, Derek Poundstone, who was a really really good US competitor, um, in an interview, put it once, you know, really really well. He goes, look you can go watch a basketball game. It can be game seven of the NBA finals in a real tight series. And that can still be a shit game. There's a chance that any basketball game can be a shit game. He goes, but if you rock up to a strongman comp and you see someone squat a van, even if only one person squats a van once, you've just seen someone squat a van and that shit's awesome. You know, (laughs) like that's I think a really good way to explain it. It's just, because we get that ability to do that bit of extra showmanship. I mean, and and that's one thing I've, I've, I'm really glad we're setting up a lot more of it now. Like, I mean, uh, anyway, saying like the yoke that we're setting up at the moment with, you know, the big tires on the side just to make it look like it's something more than just, you know, plates, steel yeah. and plates, you yeah. know, um, create something, you know, interesting about it. The car walk that we had last year, you know, like that's, you know, that was, a, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's difficult, but it's a really cool looking event. Like it people, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. People yeah. love the look of it. Um, so it's just, you know, the ability to kind of dress events up and make them look like, more than what they were. I mean, it's it's a twofold sort of thing as well. By dressing stuff up, you can't standardize, which always begs the, the question, does strongman need to be standardized? And in some ways, I kind of feel, well, vaguely, you know? Well, what do you mean by standardized? Well, okay, well, you look at, at, at powerlifting. Let's use the, the IPF as a, as a good example here because they are the, the most standardized of any powerlifting federation. I see what you mean. Yes, right? all right, now I get it. Your bar must be, you know, X amount of millimeters in diameter. There can only be X amount of millimeter, you know, millimeters between the, uh, the, end, you know, between the ends of the bar. You know, plates must be stacked in exactly this order. Plates must be off this list. You know, only this rack and this rack can be used, you know? The floor must be this. You know, you've only got this many seconds to come up and do this and do that. Like, yeah, it standardizes sport and any record that happens, it becomes really hard to dispute was or wasn't that a record. But I feel like it takes a little bit of the, the showmanship away from it and kind of... Don't get me wrong, powerlifting's great, but like it, it... After spending so much time in Strongman, like it begins to feel like a bit stale you basic know, like, in a way uh, not necessarily basic like man squatting it's still a freaking incredible man, absolutely know, incredible. someone squatting a huge I mean, weight still a, still a massive you know watch your massive side. yeah I, I feel it's it's harder for like you said sort of, it's a lot of friends and family when you go to, go to powerlifting competitions there's not as much of the crowd hanging around and I feel that's because like Unless it's pro raw, uh, big dogs, yeah. Big big comps like that, like, as soon as someone announces 400 kilos, everyone's going to stop to watch a 400 kilo anything being lifted, you know? So events like that are always going to have that extra bit of showmanship to them. But, I mean, you you go to, you know, another event and you've got, you know, 30 people competing, so you're literally going to watch 90 straight squats, you know, with about, you know, 30 seconds to an in between each. It becomes a little repetitive, you know? As opposed to, you know, with the strongman comp, we've got two, sometimes three people all competing against each other. And it's not just a, you know, can this guy carry the sandbag the whole distance, but it's can this guy carry the sandbag the whole distance and faster than the other two guys. You know, so you're seeing the head-to-head comp. It it, it feels a bit more like, 
even then, let's use the Olympics as an example. You, you watch the sprints. You know, you'd get the exact same result if you got each of the eight guys in the 100 meters final to all sprint by themselves. But it looks a lot cooler getting them all run against each other. Exactly, you know? yes, this is true. Yep. I mean, I understand it becomes a little bit of practicality when it comes to setting up a comp. Like, sometimes it's not as viable to kind of do certain events. We have, you know, running a powerlifting comp with four platforms running at the same time would be a disaster. I, I don't, or even just two, because that's, you know, six judges, like eight spotters. That's um, it's it, so it much more. It requires so much it. more manpower and yep. so much more coordination. And. I guess the thing is as well, I, I see how it create problems. I don't know if the, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I can actually come up with a viable answer to it, but I mean, if, if, you know, if there was somewhere to kind of go, all right, so platform one lifts and immediately platform two lifts, and you kind of have your back and forth, you know, like that might speed things up a bit, but I, I don't know how you could actually create that real direct head to head competition between, um, you know, in, in powerlifting yeah. without really bastardizing the sport because the idea is you don't want to change what the sport is to to make it more um um uh appealing to yeah the exactly you know at, at what point do you go all right yeah i mean you get to a point you start going all right you know yeah we want powerlifting to be powerlifting but hey i mean i don't care that you're actually the best powerlifter in the world right now kind of need you to have a six-pack you know yes like, exactly, i mean because yeah. that's what's going to sell a supplement sponsorship you, know? <laughs> you don't want to start morphing the sport to fit what's going on the outside saying, yeah. i mean I found it's been real. There was an event a few years ago, which I was again, it's a bit of a sideshow sort of thing, but they did, um, they had, uh, it was that FIBO in Germany. Um, so, like, kind of Germans, Germany's version of, of, of the Arnold. Um, they, they always have, like, a big strongman comp there, and they've always got a big powerlifting comp there. And then they did, like, a, a strongman versus powerlifters deadlift for reps um, event at, at the end. Um, and that was pretty cool to kind of see the people. Yeah, everyone getting together and doing like a combined event there. Like I thought that was a really cool idea. But once again, that's not exactly either of the two sports, but it's kind of like a, a decent middle ground. I think there's plenty of room for a lot of cross promotion like that in a lot of sports. And it's good to see things like that happening. Um, and that's one thing I think I actually would like to do a bit more with uh, with, with WA Strongman as, as well. We have, we have in the past, like with um, obviously you've been part of a comp, often there's a bit of dead time in between events. What we've done with state titles before to try and eliminate dead time is have something happening in between the events. Um, what we had done in the, in the past was, um, uh, what's called was, was, was arm wrestling. That's one that worked really wow, well. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll totally jump in for that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it, was, yeah. it was really cool. So we had, dislocated shoulders and elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and arm wrestling's fun. Beats up your yeah. elbows and wrists like crazy. But man, those those guys are. It's impressive what they do. Like that's a that's yeah. a skill in on its own. Like it's it's another one that you can't just jump in and immediately be great at. Like you've really got to know what you're doing when you're going yeah. up against the guys that really know what they're doing. I was talking to this guy. If you don't mind, you just yeah, touched on that. Is um talking to this uh, guy who coaches. I, I can't remember. I think they're based in Freer. I don't know if they still are. Is it? I don't know if it's called WA Arm Wrestling or something. Who, who was it out of interest? Some dude with big arms. If that narrows it down, <laughs> he was a tall. He must be a bit taller than me, and he was he was big. Um, but um, Ben Carroll, maybe. Don't don't quote me on it. Yeah, younger um, or older guy. Uh, oh, he would have been probably in his thirties a couple of years ago. Might be Ben. Like real, real big arms. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, I, I'm um, going to say Ben. Look, Ben's the best arm wrestler. It, it definitely in WA, if not Australia, at the moment. So, wow, yeah. good chance it was here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it was at, it was at the fitness expedition uh, here in Perth. This is back in like 2015, 16, yep. maybe somewhere back then. And uh, I was just interested, like, how do you train for arm wrestling? And you're saying like, there's so many, there's so many little angles and variables you can work on the wrist to strengthen all yeah. these little muscles that run through your arms. And like these, these are all things like all these, all these little angles you got to work on. He said, there's just, there's so many things you can do. I was, I was fascinated like at that, and that um that really got down to like connecting with me on the point how how particular you can be to strengthen certain parts of the body. Yeah, it's man, it's it is actually a crazy sport, and it's it's the more you kind of get into into strength training. I think this is something that I think Max actually giving him a huge prop here does really really well he looks outside the box at ways to improve his athletes you know in ways that I don't think other people would think of doing and what I've always thought really impressed about the way he coaches people is he's not afraid to you know try some really out there kind of methods that I think a lot of people you know are going to look at and go that looks like the dumbest shit ever but then you've see that he gets two people to break, break world, world records. records yeah yeah you know, it's just like well maybe the guy knows what he's talking yeah, about exactly. <laughs> like, yeah you know and i think it's it's things like that that push this sport to the next level you know i mean within a within a year it's actually funny um last year we had two world records happen within wa strongman competitions one WA strongman athlete win a world championship being um, being being Naramu at the at the under nineteen worlds at the official strongman games. And then uh, Rongo Keane from down in uh, Kalgoorlie or up in Kalgoorlie rather, yeah. um, won the, the log lift world championships, um, also set the new Australian record at two hundred and seven and a half kilos in the in the log press. Wow. Um, who was also another WA strongman athlete in the past as well and a yeah, previous heavyweight champion, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a big year in terms of seeing like for myself, sitting back and looking at a lot of things, it was really cool to go, wow, like we've started from these humble beginnings where the, the first the first comp that I ever did had three competitors. You know, yeah. yeah that, that 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 I ever competed in. This is before I was running. Oh things. wow, okay, yeah. And then the first comp that I ran had a total of seven people and then to go, Hey, we've now got you know, several athletes that have gone through as part of our system and have now made it onto, you know, the international stage, you know, and I'm not, don't get me, I'm not deluded not to go, oh, everyone's there because of me, but like, it's just cool to see that we've been able to facilitate the growth and development of, of, yeah, of the like, sport and sort of day, get there as well. From that very first comp that you run in, you can, you can grab a drink if you need some, but um, <laughs> uh, from that very first comp that you ran in a CrossFit gym, right? To seeing where it is now, last year, like, like, like you just said, you had um, two athletes in WO break um, a world record. Yep. Uh, WO athlete break a Australian record, um, win a world title, and we had the largest turnout at a WA um, strongman comp ever. So in that one year alone, that is, Look, you know, that, that exploded. The, the best year of growth we had. You know yeah. what I mean. Unfortunately, it's led up to this year. But, yeah, that's but, all right. But hey, we've still got time. Look, I think momentum's still there. And even yeah. if we take a couple of steps back, we'll get back there sooner or later. And I th- I think what would be really cool to see is, well, today as it is in WA, gyms reopening. Um, got a couple of places that we're talking to. I'm not, not going to give out too many details yeah, yet because possibly. I don't like to go, hey, this might happen. And then when that particularly doesn't happen, it makes it look worse. But plan at this stage is to have our first comp for the year happening within 
10 to 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether it's going to be a novice combo qualifier or possibly a combination of the two. It's also going to come down to what regulations we can work under. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean... Because there is a lot of um, there is a lot of shared uh, no, I wouldn't say shared blood, sweat, and tears, but there's a lot of uh, crossover between. Look, we've, we've got shared equipment, yeah. So we probably have to do something in terms of sanitising and cleaning yep. equipment in between uh, competitors. I mean, that's simple. I've got access to to bulk buy, you know, um, disinfectant wipes and stuff like that. So yeah, that will 110 percent be happening. Um, the the biggest limiting factor. I really feel is is regulations in terms of numbers. Yes. So with it heading towards colder weather um, and possibility of rain, we're going to want to run it indoors, and it's more just comes down to what size the venue has, how many people the venue is comfortable with us having in, and how many we can actually viably have in within that allowance. So let's just say let's just say the venue can have a hundred people. They've got the physical floor space for to have a hundred people. What breakdown do we allow? Well, first of all. We've got 10 staff, roughly. So that 10 staff has to be there. If I if we cut out any of that 10 staff, it actually makes the day way harder for us to run. And can run longer. <laughs> yeah. A hell of a lot longer and a hell of a lot harder. Yep. You know, so that 10 staff has to be there. So that's already 10 people taken up. All right, you know, how many competitors do we want? We, we've got a budget for an amount. We can't go, hey, you know, it might only be 20, so let's think about 20 that we can have X amount of other people show up. You, you block out the space for the competitors. So if you're going to have 30 competitors... Well, that's 40 people taken up so that leaves 60 people that can still come in and you've got to you know it, it's, it's just a matter of figuring out what's going on there I, I the possibility is sort of coming up and going hey we might get the event and go all right we need our 10 staff we're going to limit it to say 24 or 25 competitors whatever it's going to be it's something that divides easily by two because we want to do everything two at a time each competitor is allowed to bring one handler in with them other than that, we're going to close it off to spectators, unfortunately, and then, you know, we'll stream the event. Yep. You know, that's a possibility that we're kind of looking at. Um, not ideal, but I also don't want to try and create a situation where a gym's being gracious enough to host us, and then, you know, we, you get people coming down and, you know... They bring their mum, they bring their dad, they bring their girlfriend, you know, <laughs> another friend comes along with them and suddenly one person's now brought five people with them and you yeah, start... 40 people. Yeah. yeah, and then suddenly you've got, you know, 130 people rocking up to, to watch this comp and then a couple of, you know, and you, you, you know, you're advertising it and a couple of spectators rock up as well and suddenly now you've got 150 people rocking up to, to an event that really can only have a hundred, and then the gym that's been gracious enough to host us is now copping a fifty thousand dollar fine. Yes, yes. Which course, that's the yeah. last thing that any of us want to see happen to yeah. to anyone. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I get that. Something um, will happen. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind going back on uh, something you're saying there about the future of the sport, right? Yes. And the growth. Like, um, do you think this would ever become an Olympic sport? Uh, look, your opinion. Pro- probably not. Um, it was actually there was strongman exhibitions done. Uh, when was it? Two thousand and twelve ish. As the uh, Olympics, they do like exhibition sports depending on what the country is. Yeah. And there was a, a couple of small strongman strongman events done. I think somewhere around two thousand and twelve as as a as an exhibition event, not run by World Strongest Man, but by a, run by another strongman federation. Um, you know, as a as a, as an exhibition sport. You know, at, at one of the um, Olympics, 
But I, I honestly don't see it getting further than that. And the truth is, I don't know if you necessarily want it to. Yes, um, I get you. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people look at a lot of sports and go, the Olympics is the pinnacle of the sport. And I think a lot of people look at, you know... So weightlifting is an easy example and go, well, weightlifting's at the Olympics. Is that the pinnacle for strength sports to get to the Olympics? The Olympics is awesome, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and weightlifting's awesome as that's well. That's probably one of the most, you know, amazing things to watch, you know, to watch oh. someone snatch 220 kilos over the head. That's just... It's incredible. The mind power that goes boggling. into that is... <laughs> like, yeah. Like when, you, when, you, when you've trained in a gym before, if you've had to do some sort of a clean or press, um, then you think to do that same weight and bloody snatch... Holy shit! That's a, it. Is very. Well, I mean, yeah. let's let's put it this way: the, the world record snatch for the heavyweight men is two twenty ish, roughly. Yep. How many people do you even know that can deadlift to two? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> or high pull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or clean. Mean, yeah. Getting that weight and throwing it in one fluid motion <laughs> over your head oh, that happens yeah. in you know less than a quarter of a second, like yeah, that's so that's some next level shit. Yeah. There. Yeah. But back to strongman, does it really need to become an Olympic sport? I Not when you got the. Well, I suppose like that's a good question. When you got those, the people that are hosting it now, like uh, um, Dubai, for example, hosting yeah. that. Like there's, and you got um, is it giant UK giants? Is that what they call well, it? Or is really, it? The, the easiest way it goes, it's it's almost like. Look at boxing, right? That's yeah. I think a good example. Okay, boxing is an Olympic sport, but that's not the example I'm using. Here. Boxing's kind of got three major federations: so WBC, WBF, and I think it's WBA. There's a few other pointless belts as well. There's, there's three belts that really matter, yeah. right? Strongman's kind of got the same thing as well. Well, there's three titles that really matter. There's World Strongest Man, which is part of the the Giants Life Federation, right? That's their qualifying tour. There's um, the Arnold series, which they have the Arnold Pro Finals in um, Ohio every year in March, and then the next season starts with Australia, and it's normally South uh, South Africa, Brazil. Um, they're going to be doing, I think, Asia again this year. That was the plan. This is actually meant to be a Germany. They do do Ar- um, Arnold's America, which happens early January as the last part of the tour, and then the final is um, is once again. In Ohio, so that's the second pro tour, and like you said, the WS, WUS um, series, the world's ultimate strongman, which has run in Dubai the last two years, and was meant they they were meant to be setting up China and um, another one in the Middle East, which is where Thor was actually meant to do the five hundred and one kilo deadlift this year, but obviously, big spanner in the works again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they're kind of the three big pro tours that are going on. What's actually happened is and the money of, behind it now is there's a lot more money behind it's, it. It's so good for the sport. It also has led to, once again, like I sort of said, that more showmanship, right? So look at the Arnold's, so the world's ultimate strongman was the first one to really go, hey, we've got some money to throw at this, and not just prize money, but we want to make this look cool. We want our events to look cool, you know? So they start making events that look really impressive. The whole show's going on real big. Arnold's, which was, you know, making its way to being kind of the premier competition of the world, um debatably you know I mean world's is, world, world's strongest man is always going to be world's strongest man you never yeah, you can't, you can't take away that title <laughs> but I think it's one of the things outside looking in I think most people look at world's strongest man as the biggest competition a lot of athletes from the inside looking out internally kind of look at Arnold's as being the, the bigger event to win just like say with um, Olympic weightlifting outside looking in winning Olympic golds the biggest thing but a lot of weightlifters on the inside 
see winning a world championships as a harder feat because of how it comes to qualifying to yes. actually get there. Yeah. Olympics, there has to be representation from more countries where worlds, you know, it can actually be a harder competition to win because it's, you know, the top 20 guys that are there regardless of what country they come from. You know, if eight of them are all from Russia, well, you've still got to beat all eight of those guys, whereas at worlds, only two guys from Russia get to go and represent. Yeah. So even if, you know, guys three, four, five, six, seven, and eight all were, had, you know, better totals than guys competing at the Olympics, they're not there. Um, so WS, you know, really stepped up making events look cool and then you go to the Arnold's and suddenly they've got the Wheel of Pain right which oh, yeah. for, for anyone who hasn't seen it think uh, start a Conan the Barbarian the first one where he's pushing the um, the wheel around and it shows that you know him, him slowly getting stronger and bigger as he's pushing the wheel around so basically what they did was they literally recreated that at like about five so times submit? who did that who no did that? that was Rogue um, Rogue, Rogue yeah, did Rogue, that yeah. Yeah. they did that at about Oh, 10 times its normal size wow. and it's a, this thing's gigantic like it stands like you know it's like 4 or 5 metres tall the diameter of about 10 or 15 metres um, and it's just this big circle that you need to keep continuously pushing these it's got these big rollers on the bottom but they're all filled with sand so they don't build any momentum they don't really slide they're kind of you're fighting against resistance the whole time and the event is judged it's 60 seconds and it's maximum distance covered in 60 seconds as well as it being a super hard event it's a super cool looking event because there's this big giant piece of equipment that's there you know anytime there's something don't see that in a gym yeah no <laughs> yeah. there's literally one of that in the world and it sits in Ohio you know? yeah yeah it's like you um, can't prepare for that event yeah like, specifically no you can do you know you can do um, different variations you can walk a rope or you sign a around in circles dragon sign but it wouldn't be anywhere near that exact replica yeah, I think what a lot of people were doing was was vehicle pushes or, or heavy prowler pushes okay, yeah. to kind of try and prepare. But even then, like, it's hard to find enough space and enough the same kind of resistance to like yeah, you can't you can't replicate to, that exactly. to, yeah, to mimic yeah. it. You know, especially it's sixty seconds continuous. That's, that's the that's cool like, thing about strongman too. Is there's a lot of things you that you get on the day. Uh, I suppose with the world comps, you only find out what the events are how many days or weeks prior. Um, alright, so the events will sort of be decided on with, with Worlds. They're normally about 8 to 10 weeks beforehand. Yep. They'll know what they are, but the athletes tend to only get something that's basically like, alright, you know, your events are squat, carry, deadlift, overhead press, stones. It's not super specific. Yep. Certain people find... Look, once again... Unfortunately, Norton's never privileged enough to get to Worlds, but from speaking to a few people that I know that have, you don't always find out exactly what they are. You generally find out pretty much what they are about four or five weeks out, but you've always got an idea of what they're going to be. You know, you look at equipment that's been used previously, they're not making up entirely new stuff every year. It's altering the weight a little bit higher or lower, and there's a few changes here and there. But you've you've generally got like a ballpark of what it is, and it's often till not on the actual day that you see what the exact equipment is. And that's another thing I really like about Strongman, which is why I call for it almost not to be standardized, is you get that... Element of surprise. Exactly. You know, like... You can't can't prepare the audience, you can't prepare the, um, the competitors. Like, you rock up on the day and people are like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Well, <laughs> like, what it, is he doing? It's only happened a, a couple of times before. Um, so there was a comp uh, called Fatismus, which they ran in Canada, which was one of the most 
brutal strongman comps I've ever seen. Everything was everything was like near on being world record kind of weights. Wow. Um, you know, in terms of like the, the events were like they had, I guess they had a a log lift medley, and it was five logs, and they were all actually like real historic numbers. So the first one I think was 150 kilo log, which was the max log winning weight from the first time they had a log press in World's Strongest Man. Wow. Then I think the second one was the Kazmaier log, which is about 170-ish kilos from when he won the log press, won a World's Strongest Man. And it's like some real, there's some pretty famous footage from it. It was the, actually the exact same log that he used. So the exact same log that Kaz did was what they were using for that. Third one was like 185-ish, which I think was... I believe Raymond Bergmanis was the first guy to go over 400 pounds in a log. Um, next one was 200, which was... I can't even remember who it was. was the first person to go over 200 in a log. I want to say it was Adronis. That just seems like a real easy answer to give. But the last log in the medley was Zadrunas Avicus's world record at, at that point in time. So, okay, look, Zadrunas won the medley, didn't even attempt the last one. But it's just like, you're not only expecting people to do all this, all, you know six different logs but then yeah. had to have a shot at equaling the world record at the end of it like crazily heavy competition who programmed that? Oh, <laughs> who knows <Yeah. laughs> um, with the stones they had there they were it was a set of unique natural stones that they had as stones so it was like a ten event competition five events day one five events day two day one ended with atlas stones day two ended with um Day two ended with this set of, of like unique natural stones, right? So particularly the, the first time they ran this competition, no one knew had or had ever actually touched the stones before. Like it was a, a, a fresh set of stones. As in the um, natural stones? Yes. Yeah, wow. Yes, yeah. and no one had seen them before. So everyone's there, at, you know, in warm-ups having a look at the stones, trying to figure out how to actually pick them up, you know? And that kind of creates a, you know, unique little bit to the sport there as well. Similar thing with um, Arnold's, this year, they had um, their stone medley was, it was stone, like, it was, it was to basically clean and press the stones. And oh, it was yeah. a, set of, a set of, you know, natural stones as well that no one had seen before. So, you get people on the day trying to figure out new techniques to, to kind of pick it up. Is that a little bit more unsafe? Yeah, look at it, you know? like That's the excitement of the sport, really. It, it, it kind of is, you know? It's like, it... it I like the fact where you see people, like you see, you see four people try a technique, you know, and they kind of get, you know, whatever their result is. And then someone, you know, who's watched those four people go, then goes, hey, I've got another idea. How about I do it like this? And they, you know, spin it around and do it some way totally different. And then suddenly they get an extra 10 or 12 meters distance carried compared to the other guys. And everyone's like, ah, so that's the technique now. Yeah, well, they do it faster. It's like, yeah. it's incredible. Are you okay for time, by the way? I got another thirty-ish. Yeah, cool, man. Keep yeah. punching through it. Um, that's pretty cool. Like, I wouldn't mind going back to the beginning of what we're talking about, but your yep. own personal journey. Like, uh, where, how far did you get in? Um, you mentioned you went to welts in powerlifting. In powerlifting, uh, yeah. yeah. And how far you went to Arnold's and the pro Arnold's? And yes, strongman. So, was that correct? Yep. So as as strongman, um, basically. Look, goal for myself was always to, to get to Worlds. Um, be a pro, get to Worlds. I managed to compete professionally. Um, I came second out of all the Australian competitors that year behind even LaRue. The biggest thing that held me back, even though press has always been a good event for me, but um, 
the dumbbell press has never been a good event for me, unfortunately. So that's the one that, that really got us that year and kind of left us, um, left us, you know, kept us back a, a couple of places behind him. Even that was, I think, one of the best competitions I've ever seen him compete in. So very, very worthy winner of that competition. Yeah. Um, did fantastic. But that kind of, you know, did well enough in that competition that I was kind of like, almost to be considered for being like a reserve for Worlds, but sort of, you know, just not quite there, you know? Like I just, I, I you know, I would have been like, the, the, I was the backup guy from Australia. So if, if something had happened to Eben, I would have been called up to replace him, but that's kind of as close as I sort of got in, uh, in, in that aspect. So unfortunately, not quite getting to Worlds. And for myself after that, you know, Really want to train hard and do really well, but I had probably the worst run you can possibly imagine after that. Where do you mind talking about that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah go for that's it. No yeah. problem. Um, so, came back from that. The the two things that let us down were, um, you know, in in terms of how I, I, I knew I could have performed, the deadlift and um, and my dumbbell press. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to turn these things from being, you know, weaknesses. Into, yeah, absolute into absolute strengths. Yeah. And not that my deadlift was weak by by any means. So coming into this comp... You did 390 on a deadlift? 385. 385. 385 yeah, was my best deadlift. Incredible feat, yeah. Um, when back in then, the world record was, you know, 400 for the... Um, uh, strong, was that right, strongman or...? Well, back then, the, the, actually, at the, the point I did, the world record was a little bit more. So yep. um, the comp that the Arnold that I did was actually the Arnold that Eddie Hall did in Australia where he set the deadlift world record at 464 wow. I believe at that point in time yeah and you were there for that comp yes yeah, so was, that would have been amazing I was competing watch. with him <laughs> oh there we go yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway the deadlift event we had basically everyone had to, everyone so the weights we had were 320 365 400 420 440 and then world record yeah yeah um, everyone got 300 everyone except one or two, I think everyone, everyone except one or two people got the 365 we then had like maybe a five-ish minute turnaround before we had to have a go at 400 um, I've never been a natural deadlifter so I use a really weird sort of much more squat-like stance with a, not quite a snatch, but a, but a, a much wider grip on the deadlift. You are a wide human. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if, if you saw Dan in person, you'll understand what I mean. He's a, he's a wide human. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's a big guy. <laughs> but part of using that, that wider stance, you look at most deadlift stances and feet uh, forward, part of the way that I deadlift would be more squat-like in order to actually properly lock out I need to have my feet turned out a little bit more. Yeah. And just because the rushing to get back into the next next one, I felt good to pull 400. So had a shot at the 400, got it to about mid-thigh and kind of kept trying to fight it up. But because I rushed my stance and had my feet Slightly facing forward rushed. rather than yeah, out, okay. never managed to lock it lock it out. So yeah. unfortunately, that didn't happen for us that day. Um, yeah. So really annoyed about that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go back, work my deadlift super hard. You know, I was, I think four weeks into the program and basically the way that I was working is I was I started off like week one was 12 singles at 300 
Week two was... Just a casual 12 singles <laughs> at 300 kilo deadlift. It, yep. it was sort of pyramiding its <laughs> way down. So yeah. it was 12 at, at 300, 12 singles at 300. Um, it was 315 for 11 the next week. Then it was 10 at 325. And I was doing that session. I think I got to the eighth, got to the top of the deadlift. And as I locked it out, I just felt what felt like my knuckle cracking and then um, my finger just went loose. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. Dropped the bar, went to look at my hand afterwards and a little hard to get the message across without a visual. But basically, get your finger, bend it till it's at a 90 degree point, And then from there, you can quite comfortably, you know, yep. bend, bend the, 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 you know, the last bit of your finger and sort of curl it up. I could bend it till it looked at 90 degrees, but it just kind of sat there like that yeah and the last bit wouldn't you know with, with, you know not nice and straight at 90 degrees but the bit of my finger that has my nail on it just wouldn't bend just like well that's weird and no matter what i did like it just felt floppy it felt loose like wouldn't move at all anyway um it's like all right well look better go get this looked at called my fiance is like hey look i don't know i've done to my hand i can't move my finger I'm just going to go straight to the hospital. I'm going to get a scan. Like, I'm just going to get on to sorting this out right away. Went into the hospital. <laughs> Sent me a colossal waste of time because it said, oh, look, it's a tendon rupture. Uh, we can't do anything about that now. But here, get this ultrasound down. And come, uh, but here, come in and see the hand specialist tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you couldn't have told me that before me waiting four hours. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. That, that yeah. would have been great. But anyway. Yeah. Off like four or five hours sleep, go see the hand specialist, um, go in to see him and sort of explain what's going on. And he was very certain about what had happened. Now, FTP tendons, the finger, the, the tendon that, that, that makes your finger move, generally when it snaps, it, pull, it snaps from a, a spot that's just under your fingernail and rolls back down into your hand. Yep. Um, Mine, though, actually snapped right through the middle, so basically oh, right underneath yeah. my knuckle. That's right where the bar was then. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and what weight was on the bar at the time? 325. Yeah. Um, wasn't really due to the deadlift. It was wear and tear just due to... Um, from playing other sports when I was younger. Like um, rugby or...? Mainly gridiron, actually. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Play, like, was that here in uh, yes. Australia? Yeah. Wow, okay. Who did um, you play for? Uh, Perth Blitz. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Um, so, for playing, playing there, just... Copy wear and tear in my hands. Just I had like a bone spur that was in my hand from, you know, stuff getting crunched up when I was a bit younger, and then just that brushing against the tendon caused yep. some wear and tear, and eventually snapped. Um, you know, enough load and right, right, wrong place, wrong time, sort of thing. Hey, shit happens. Anyway, he was insistent that it had snapped up at the up at the top of the finger. It just needed to be stapled back in place there. Of course, opens up the hand, finds out. Snapped around the middle. Snapped around the middle. Becomes a very different procedure to try and fix it. But at this point, by the time the hand's open, you got to do what you can do. And as you can see, now I'm left with a nice... Okay, so you could never actually get full grip over the bar. Well, that finger doesn't really contract properly okay, yeah. anymore. So I can't really get full grip in this hand anymore. And yeah. easy Grip and strong, man. Is yeah. My grip was like I was never great at to begin with, but I worked yeah. pretty hard at it. So... Prior to this happening, I'll just talk the most comparable numbers I can. Um, doing farmer's holds with 180 a hand, oh. I worked up to getting about 40 seconds before my grip would give out. Yeah. So not bad, but not, you know, 
there's guys out there doing a lot better than that, but but not bad, right? Um, comparing that to after the injury, I think maybe six seconds was the best I got. And it was, it was weird. It was six seconds and it wasn't... Everyone here has done some kind of grip exercise and you feel your grip kind of go and then it just gives out. Yep. It wasn't like that. It was six seconds and it was just like... It was six seconds. You know when you're vacuuming and you pull a bit too far and the cord comes out and the vacuum just turns off? Yep. It was like that. It was like that. It was like, oh, and hands off. Like it just... It just... Hand would just switch off and there's nothing I could do to... Shit. To control yeah. it. So... Anyway, get past that. Um, you know, a lot of time sort of compensating for it. And first injury I've actually had was my, my right pec tour. So that's created some, some other imbalances. Was that from pressing? Well, that was from benching. Benching, yeah. yeah. Um, so that happened about four years prior to, to all this as well. So wow, okay. Compensating yeah. for that the whole way. A few years later than that, and then... Um, Do you mind if I asked what weight you were benching? Because that, that wouldn't have been like just 100 kilos on the bar. It was 250 I had on the bar when I, when I tore my peg. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Once again, <laughs> long, long list of, uh, of, of dumb decisions I made. Yeah, yeah. I was actually training at the, to do what would have been my first pro comp, um, which ended up happening a couple of years later. Pray, training for Strongman Pro yeah, Comp? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you Using bench press for that? Is that no? Not really. Or just mucking around on um, the bench press? Or? Bench I was sort of using as like my secondary movement. Okay. So yeah. like, you know, main exercise was was log. And then I was doing some benching, just, you know, general upper body strength kind of thing. Just generally benching 250 <laughs> as an accessory exercise. <laughs> well, Jesus. here's the problem. Like I said, this is where it comes to being total stupidity. And, and as soon as I, I can't even start getting the words out of my mouth without sort of realizing how stupid I really was. How old were you at the time? 23. Okay, yeah. So, do you reckon that could have been like a lack of guidance or like um, coaching at the time? Like, what It you... wasn't really much in terms of coaching, which is why I think it's great that people have coaches. And unfortunately, yeah. like, I very much have this thing of if I decide that I'm going to do something, no matter how bad of an idea it is, and I commit myself to it, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. So, trained all this week normally, right? Including benching that week. So, this in the same week, I benched 225 for a triple. Yeah. Um, nothing broke at that point in time. Yeah. Day before the comp, preparing for the event that I had, I did log press, sandbag carries, farmer's walk. Okay. Uh, log press, I think I was, it was 160-ish that I did for a set of five. Somewhere between 150 and 160 I did for a set of five. So shoulders, triceps, upper back, we're all yeah. super tired. Rocked up to... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Rocked up to the muscle pit on, uh, on the Sunday and they've got, you know... They had like a one of their smaller, you know, push pull events going on, lacking for numbers, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll jump in. Like I was gonna go for you know a heavier single, on uh, on 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 Tuesday, you know. Why what day? This was a Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so the day after the comp. No, no, day after training for the comp. So Saturday, oh, yes. Saturday okay. was the day that I did all a bunch of my event training on. Yep. Um, so fatigue should have been a rest day. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll do something. Started warming up, and I remember benching like 140 and flew off my chest because chest was feeling really strong. And then lockout was just super wobbly. Yeah, tricep and, fatigue. Uh, yeah, tricep shoulders. Like, yeah. I had no stability there at all. Lats were tired, tri- shoulders, triceps were tired. And just laughing, like, ah, oh, well, you know, be fun. Let's see what I can do, right? 
last warm up I think I did was two hundred, and the first bench I think was I, I did was about two twenty ish, and not great, but it still came up pretty well, right? I was like, ah, look, two fifty is the number I've been chasing. I th- I think at this point in time was actually a shot at, at you're twenty three, nat- yeah, yeah. Wow. I think it was actually a shot at the national record at this point in time, um, which once again we're going back a fair few years here, so well exceeded now. Gave it a shot, got it about halfway up, stalled out, and just couldn't quite get it. It was just like, ah, it's just in the triceps. I know they're a bit fatigued. Rather than doing the logical thing going, you know what I should do? Not do this. Come back 10 to 12 weeks' time when I'm actually fresh and I'm prepared for it properly. It's like, you know what I'll do? I'll do like a, you know, an arch back powerlifting technique, which I've done before in the past. But yeah. all, my, all my training had been real flat back because it's just purely strength development rather than yep. bench press performance. Exactly. And yep. I'll get a bit of a bit of leg drive, a little bit of kick, and I'll just heave it off my chest a bit more and just carry it through on momentum. Obviously, haven't done it in a while. I'm a bit rusty with it. Pressed it, started losing it backwards. Oh, yeah, and rather yeah. than going, well, call for the spotters to take it, I try to pull it back forwards. Oh, shit. And yep. as I'm pulling it back forwards... I just feel my shoulder clunk and feel like it almost drops. I actually thought I dislocated my shoulder at first. Yeah. Jumped up. Nothing really hurt. That was the weird Shock. thing. Adrenaline. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing hurt. I was like, oh, maybe just cracked my shoulder. I always immediately went, like, I always said, like, can I try it again? Like, is it like, can I, can I go for it on a, on a, on a fourth attempt? Because it's a record. And everyone's like, you just tore your pec. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, it's still there. Like, what, what are you on about? Like, there's no bruising. Like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, no, you definitely tore it. Like I saw it like, you know, shift across. Yeah. Actually look at the video. You actually can see the whole thing kind of shit. Yeah. Jump yeah. across a bit. Um, so anyway, off to hospital, very, very torn peg surgery, everything else. But yeah, another dumb decision. So always been compensating for lack of that peg since then. Led on to the next injury of preparing for, um, a national record breakers event that they're going to do, or well, they did do in, in South Australia where I was meant to be going um, for the record for, for the heaviest yoke carried. Did all my prep. My, my last training session was a 585 yoke for, I got all, I wanted to get 10. I think I got eight and a half meters. And I think it was more the fact that like, we, I, I got like the, it, it's, it's like a, it's a four meter carry that you have to do. So 13 feet. I got the I got the four meters as as one run fine. Dropped it. Was like all right, let's do some extra work. I wanted to try. I wanted to try and get ten. And then I got eight and a half or nine over 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 a couple of drops. I was like, nah, this is just no point in flogging a dead horse here. Left it at that. Felt okay. Had one more session to do, which was sort of like a deload session, and just just gonna go to a to a mild five hundred for this session. Got to 440 and just felt a real sting coming down my my right arm. That's not a yoke carrier. It's a bit, yeah. it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, ah, that's you like knees or legs or up, you know, lower back or something. Normally, back, yeah. I actually was like, ah, oh, it's probably just my trap being real tight. It's like, all right, rather than actually doing the carries tonight, I'll just do the weights I was going to do as pickup. So go to the 500, pick it up, because I'm just standing still with it. It's not too much of a hassle. But, um, you know, leave it there, unload everything. And even with the yoke deloaded and empty, which, okay, relative Two, term, 205. I'm then carrying it back like 10 or 12 meters back to put it away. I'm like, fuck, my arm keeps stinging. Like, 
uh, uh, something just just not quite right here. Um, don't think much of it. We're running a comp that weekend, and then I was meant to be flying out like three days after the comp to go do this uh, this event. Run the strongman comp, arms a bit sore the whole day, but I'm just like, yeah, neck's just tight. Like, got the physio on Monday. He'll jab some needles in there, and you know, you know, dry needle it all out, and I'll be I'll be sweet. Run, finish running the event, get home, jumping in the shower because it was a friend of mine's girlfriend's birthday that night. We're going out for um for for, for pizzas, yeah, you know, for for a party. Strongman diet, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. You wake up back up, yeah, carbs, yeah. fats, proteins, everything's there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nothing's left out. We'll get onto that ebook. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, but I'm I'm putting my shirt on and my uh, my fiance goes, well, she looks at the like the inside of where where my bicep is. She goes, why is your arm purple? I'm like. Ha ha, it's a bit of shadow. He goes, no, your arm is purple. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and sort of basically from my elbow up to my armpit, I'm just all purple in there. I'm like, well, that's clearly not good. So rather than being at work the next three days like I expected to be, you know, I'm running around, physio, ultrasound, meeting with a specialist, um, long head of the bicep. So biceps, bicep really... Two muscles, like everyone I assume knows from the word bi and bicep. One part attaches just over the elbow, and if you tear it, it rolls up. That's the most common one you see when people are deadlifting, yep. pops and rolls up. The other one, origin of the muscles down the other end, and the insertion is up in your shoulder. It's more of a shoulder stabilizer than anything else. Yep. So my long head, the head of that had 95% torn off, so it wasn't a complete rupture. Um, and that, you know, had come off, and that's obviously where all the, the bruising and the bleeding had come from. They did reattach it, kind of. Um, but so, not, not enough to be able to handle yeah, weights you, you lift. You'll, you'll be able to, oh no, it's, it's still actually performed okay afterwards. Yeah. It just took a while to kind of get used to it. As you can see, I've got this funny little lump on the top of it there. Yeah. Rather than it kind of being a normal shape. What's happened there? The long head of the bicep tendon goes underneath the pec tendon. And the similar issue that I had with reattaching the first pec because it was you know, so built up and bulky around there, they couldn't actually thread the tendon back underneath the pec in order to get it back to where it needs to be. You had so but, much muscle there. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. just they couldn't get it back under. They're like... And the, and the surgeon's sitting there. He's, it's telling us, like he's kind of stumped in the middle of it all going, well, shit, what do I do? Do I cut the pec off to then reattach the bicep then I have to reattach the pec? Or do I just slap the bicep on top of the pec tendon and that's kind of as good as we're going to get. So he decided to slap it on top of the pec tendon because he goes, look, it's not going to be 100%, but it's going to be an overall better result than if we detach the pec and reattach it. So that ended up there as it's definitely never been 100% since, but it was been, it was actually my, my better arm pressing wise for a long okay. period of time yep. because the, the right the shoulder yep. lost so much stability due to the lack of the pec and that's even with overhead so people think overhead oh yeah it's your delt doing everything yeah, your delt's doing the work but your lat and your pec obviously sort of isometrically contract to keep the, the shoulder in place yeah, makes yeah, sense. To, yeah to make it sort of like you're pressing on rails you yep. know um, of course that's what, yeah, that's what they're kind of doing there so that's injury now number so you got hand pec yeah, um, biceps, biceps. That's and there's tricep too. Is that's that right? surgery three. That, not yep. yet though. <laughs> wow. In, in the in the process of doing that, recovering from this, went through all the recovery. 
I had finished one week of training properly, right? This was literally, and when I say one week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Came home from that session on Saturday. I'm like, oh, it feels really good to be back in training. None of the weights I did were, you know, super impressive, but, you know, it's fun being back in it, you know. I can build from here. I got through everything I wanted to do in my program. So not 100% intensity, but but there was everything I wanted to do, I did that week. Laying on the ground, doing some foam rolling, and um, have you met my dog before? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so yeah. got a got a staffy called uh, called Atlas, named named after the stones. Um, so he's uh, he's about six months old at this point in time, and he's he's a real boisterous little dog. He loves to wrestle, he loves to fight. So I'm on the ground trying to foam roll, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Dad's on the ground. Let's jump on him." So I'm fighting and wrestling him off the whole time. Get bored of foam rolling, I'm like, "Nah, I'm just gonna play with him for a bit." You know, he wants to have some fun. I reach to go grab for his collar, plans to grab him, pull him over, flip him on his back, and I'm going to scratch his belly. You know, he absolutely loves it. As I go to grab him by the collar, he jumps back as I'm grabbing, catches my finger right in the middle of um, oh yeah of of my pinky finger. Now on the opposite hand, snaps in the exact same position as what Jesus well wow. the, the other one did. <laughs> um, no, like, hey, I wouldn't mind just... Can I, do you mind if I just yeah. touch on that? Because this is probably something for competitors and just people that have fitness, strength goals, whatever. Like, what is your mindset when you go through that many injuries and that many setbacks? Like, how does, how does that... Does that cripple you in a way for, like, you know, days or, like, weeks? Or is that... How do you overcome that sort of... Um... Yeah, honestly, went through some pretty dark times. Um, every injury that I've had, you, you have a period of... Um, of struggling to, to really come back. And it was actually the, one of the best conversations I've had with anyone about this. Um, a couple of years back, we had Zadrunas Avicis in, in Perth, and I was lucky enough to spend a few days talking shit with him and hanging out with him. Really, really great guy. And funnily enough, he was actually, every time I had an injury, he was my inspiration to come back because he tore both his patella tendons um, at the same time in the same event Jesus. and the way literally described it is one second he could walk and the next he couldn't and you look at him and he came back from that to win four world strongest mans you know two IFSA world championships eight Arnold classics Jesus. you know he's the most accomplished strength athlete of all time and still coming back from blowing out both his patella tendons to you know carry a 700 plus kilo yoke and squat 400 plus kilos for reps and you start going, all right, well, if he can find a way to work around it, you know, so can I, yes, you know? Yeah. As, uh, my thing was, as long as I can get it to function, I can improve it. So even say the hand, like I said, it'll switch off after six seconds. It was like, all right, well, if I keep working at that six seconds, if my hands are stronger, it can become eight. If I can get it to eight, then I can get it to 10. It might take longer, it might be harder, but I can sort of... Yeah, and you really got to fight yourself mentally, and that's, that's yeah, pretty weird. You know. And this is what you know, more of a you know, I like myself as a strength coach, and uh, and people go, you know, like, um, oh, it's just heavy lifting. I'm like, no, it's it's mental strength. Like to be able to yep. overcome, you might have a plan to go from point A to point B or point Z, wherever it is, but it's never going to be straight. No, like the mental strength you need to be able to overcome every little bridge, every little valley of um, um, failure and success is, it, is what it comes I down think to. Part of it comes down to as well. And this is what I'm trying to do more. It's not just failure, success, it's a riddle, right? So like at the moment, obviously I've still got some strength records I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for. Um, still want some, to do some big lists, but I have been dropping a fair bit of weight. And I don't think it's actually affected my strength. I feel I'm still 
capable of doing everything I want to do, but neurologically, it's there's some differences. So at the bottom of the squat, I'm used to having a much larger belly that rests on my legs, that holds us in a certain position. So certain muscles don't need to activate in certain positions and they've gotten real lazy there because I don't have to do as much there. Now they do, and I kind of get to like, top three quarters of squat, I feel like I can squat anything. That bottom quarter, I feel, you know, like, you know, pretty touch and go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. When you, when, could you have lost some weight? Like, how much weight are you down now? Uh, the look, I didn't weigh myself this morning. Yeah. Uh, being real honest. Uh, my, my, uh, my younger brother cooked up a real nice feast last night. Like, did like the yeah. American barbecue style feast, like ribs and beef, bri- wagyu beef brisket and mac yeah. and cheese. So... Pigged out I mean, of it there last night. You're still a giant but, um, human being, but like compared to just like you know two years ago, you had <laughs> yeah. trimmed down. Look, I've lost about 28 kilos. That wow, puts me about job. 162 at the moment. Yeah, so. 162. <laughs> so you know he's coming in a bit light, guys. <laughs> Feel free to give him some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Great MMs on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like I said, I've still got all the strength. I've still got more than enough physical size to do what I want to do. I just don't know how to use it all yet. Yeah. So it's the challenge is, is it's it, it feels weird. A load like you know what should be say a fifty percent load on on the bar, and that'll feel like fifty percent, right? But then I'll go to like say then a seventy percent load, that'll feel like ninety. So it's like, well, shit. How do I kind of start bridging the gap here? Is it more assistance exercise that I need to do? Is it more volume? At, the, at a certain percentage, like, is it just going, all right, that might only actually be 70, but it feels like 90, so I train with what my 70 is like, it's 90, till it starts feeling like 70 again, and then sort of progress through from there. It's just kind of, you know, finding the right way to work through, and it's... It is really... <sighs> Look, I haven't quite got the answer yet, being totally yeah. honest, but I feel each session that doesn't go the way that I want it to... It's a session closer to um, yeah. to figuring it out. Um, cool, man. Another good quote that I really got. Um, so Gary Frank was the first person to ever total 2,800 pounds um, equipped powerlifting. Yeah. Um, yeah, real... That's, that's really, really, really awesome. What, what lifts, if you don't mind, do you remember what lifts uh, weights on each lift you got for that? Um, or thereabouts? Because that's, that's, some, that's some serious weight. It was just under an 1100 pound squat because that hadn't ha- happened yet no one had broken yep. 500 Brent Mike Sell did 500 I think a year afterwards it was an 800-ish pound bench and Jesus. this was just before Andy Bolton's first 1000 pound deadlift so Gary Frank and Andy Bolton were both racing to hit 1000 pounds on the deadlift and I think Gary Frank in this meet when he hit to the 2800 pounds got 435 which was the powerlifting deadlift world record for for quite a period of time till Benedict Magnuson did 440 in Finland in 2006 I'm going to yep. say I'm going to go home and check the t-shirt yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> luckily enough it was one of the comps that I was actually at wow yeah that would have been an incredible witness that witness oh, in that really cool person. being around That's some of that sort of yeah. stuff man um, so yeah I remember sitting down and talking with him. This is the first powerlifting worlds I went to as a teenager. And I said to him, look, you know, I'm a young up and coming guy. Like, you know, you're, you're my idol in this sport. Like, you know, in, in powerlifting, you're my, you're my idol. Like, how did you get to where you are? How'd you do the 2,800 pounds? And he goes, look, I'll tell you the honest truth. And I was like, oh, what's that? And, you know, you're expecting like, you know, as a, as a young, dumb kid, you know, he's going to tell me his secret training knowledge, you know. 
it's all this weird reverse, you know, barbell band yeah. curl that you do behind <laughs> your back at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. That's the one secret exercise that unlocks your strength. And she goes, man, I'll tell you what I did. I was like, oh, what? I'm like listening to all these guys. What I did was I just did everything wrong and learnt from it. And then every time I did something wrong and realised it was wrong, I crossed that off and never did it again until I got to the point where I could only do things right. <laughs> love it. I love that, eh? Mate, we've got about five minutes left. Um, what is some advice you would give to upcoming competitors? And um, also, at the end of this, I'll drop in your link yep. um, in the podcast for to get in contact yeah, with get into Strongman. Um, yeah, so what are, what, are some upcoming, uh, what are some advice for upcoming Strongman? Uh... Okay. One, don't do anything I did. That's the first bit of advice. If you look at what I said, all the things I said I did, don't do those. Biggest thing, get a coach, right? Even if they're not specifically a powerlifting coach, if they've got a good strength background, they can help you. And and the biggest thing is it's the biggest thing with, with strongman is you're dealing with a lot more volume and a lot more variation than what you are in either, you know, bodybuilding or, 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 or powerlifting. Um, because there's so many more events to train for, so many events to prepare for. You've got to have someone who can actually you know, adequately look at what your training program is, look at the work you need to do and go, all right, let's figure out a plan to effectively keep you improving without you overexerting yourself and risking injury. Because the, the, the big, I'll, I'll say it simply, the biggest issue I think I had was because I was always self-regulating and you're always the, I want to be the strongest, I want to be the best, I want to be, and I want to do it as fast as possible. You create that mentality of, you know, if I'm not training at, you know, at midnight on Christmas day, you know, someone else out there is, you know, and I can't let them get ahead of me. And you stop forgetting that rest is important. You stop forgetting that recovery is important. You know, you create this mentality of, well, if I did 10 reps this week, I have to do 11 reps this week. Otherwise I suck. You need someone to regulate times to, you know, to be going up times, be pushing back, someone to sit there and go, hey, you are looking fatigued. Those reps look slow today. Let's just do two reps next week. Let's take a week off. Get a coach, you know. Yeah. There's, there's plenty out there that are really, really good. We've obviously mentioned Max. I know you've yeah. done a lot of, you do a lot of coaching. A lot of people find someone who can coach you. Get a good coach. That's that's the first thing. Do you coach yourself now? Uh, currently, I I do. I don't really advertise it. It's more of a you choose deal. who you'd like. Not, um, not or... even then. Um, look, part one is uh, I work full time out outside of strongman. Yep, okay. Yep. Two is running the strongman comps, and I'm happy to coach anyone that does contact me. It's 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 not an issue with that. It's just uh, you already booked out. In yeah. A lot of areas it's, of life, it, yeah. Look, I, the most people I've coached at, the, at, at one time, I know this sounds really small, is about six people. And I haven't really wanted to coach, and that's probably where I'd limit, limit it to yep. again if I was coaching people. I'm always there to give anyone advice. So if, if someone wants a second opinion or something, and even if they've got another coach and they just, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm not sure, but I don't feel like I want to question them, I'm never going to, you know, I, and they want a second opinion, it's like, I'm always happy to do. Yeah, for people. Love if anyone, it. It's if so good. Yeah. Anyone self coaching, you know, and 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 they just want a bit of feedback. Happy to help out there as well. Yeah. How to but, not injure yourself. Yeah, yeah. you know. And and when I say give a second opinion, it's never discrediting that coach. Sometimes people, I think, create this thing where they're like, "Well, I'm not sure about what the coach has said, but I don't want to question them," you know, because um, then they're going to start going, "I don't believe in them," and that sours a the relationship there. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah, to. There's too much pride yeah. there for some people. Like I love it when people question what I'm doing because it yeah. gives me a chance to 
educate them and explain like, and, I love and them it. a new I, tool I, I, I thrive on that so much when clients go why am I eating this or why am I doing this exercise I'm like oh my god like it shows me you're thinking yeah. like if you're if you're a client of any coach and um, you're scared to ask questions ask because you know if you've got a good coach they are there to help you and educate you yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah they're not going to give you every single advice bit of a uh, reason why on the very first meeting or the very first day of the program because you know we're limited on time but if you keep feeding those questions in we'll, we'll be able to help you yeah. well the reason why I'm here to be like a second opinion is it's not that I'm trying to poach clients because that's the last thing I want to do I'm here yeah. to help grow the community I mean my biggest reason why I don't bring on more clients is because I don't want to create an environment where look I hadn't there was obviously I ran the comps and I competed in them and that yep. created some issues of people going well you're just picking the events that work for you I never picked the events I contacted Bill I said Bill what events do you want us to run at this comp what oh, a bit of stigma around you okay yeah I see yep. I mean we were limited on what equipment we had I was always very good at the yoke and there was a yoke in every competition on the other hand though no one else running those events was willing to fork out 800 bucks to chuck another you know or a thousand bucks to chuck another event in that competition yep. and use the equipment that we had you know now that we have other other equipment, as you see, okay, look, yoke is still in a lot of competitions, and that basically comes down to the fact we have two of them we can use all the time, you know. Um, I don't want to create an environment where people go, oh, look, Dan's running the comp, and Dan's got four of his athletes competing. He's set up a comp so his athletes can win. You I know, get it. yeah. Once I'm again, set. happy to coach anyone who wants my help or advice, but I'm just not actively seeking it out because I just feel when my focus is growing the sport, I feel it, it sometimes can create a conflict of interest if, if it's you know if you've got you know a large group of athletes exactly. also competing I know it's happened a fair bit over, over East alright mate we've got about one minute last bit oh, of good. advice for um, other for up and coming strongmen alright so said coach um, biggest thing look, uh, the other thing aside from that find a good group of people to train with strongman as much of it is an individual community. sport yeah. it's community you want a bit of a team to train with and it doesn't always have to be a big team like just have like a good consistent crew Love you it. know even if it's two to four people that train together consistently and you're all kind of doing the same stuff you, 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 the big advantage you get is you can take everyone can take video of themselves everyone can then take that video and send it to their coach or look at themselves and go ah, I'm not 